Welcome back, bad movie lovers, to the latest episode of the Worst Movie of the Year, a City of Geek podcast. Uh, we're formerly weekly, and now we're looking to going every other week, because watching a lot of bad movies does a lot to your soul, even if you are stuck inside <laughs> in quarantine, uh, as many of us know, as they are, though we all here are bad movie lovers, that's why I brought you guys in, and that's why people listen to us, hopefully. Uh, so we're looking at every other Wednesday, I was doing every Sunday, but now I'm moving it around a little bit. Uh, that way it gives me time to edit, because we normally record these on Sundays as well. Um, but I am Bob, and here I've gathered three people who have been on the show previously, a couple times in um, some cases, and for the second time, another one. So if anyone wants to introduce themselves, uh, so we know the voices and where we can find your stuff, and then we'll mention you guys again at the end as well. Uh, Eric, why don't you go first? Hello. Eric Margaret here. I do uh, Strange Eons Radio Podcast, and uh, every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, film festival for Crypticon Seattle and Issaquah and filmmaker stuff so uh jose uh jose aka the cinematic bandicoot from cinematicbandicoot.com um first of all i'm sorry for the slow review output we're in school now and we're also working on games which take a lot more to time to review than usual but that's what's going on so we're just wasting time here with these bozos and mikey perfect how do um, you know, this is not my stock in trade, so I guess I give kind of the uh, every man's interpretation of these movies, not the uh, <laughs> fancy, learned opinions that the rest of you guys have. And, uh, and I am Bob Foster. I'm also on uh, City of Geek, cdgeek.com, and our host here. Uh, the one is to watch all of the movies. So I'll bring you guys in for here and there based upon the weekly, whoever wants to sit sit through these pieces of shit. Um, but cdgeek.com, uh, where you can find anything else I work on that is good stuff as well. But I do uh, work at Crypticon Film Festival with Eric. Along with this. I did watch a couple of things at Issaquah last year. Um, not, not not that many. And then uh, <laughs> working panels and stuff of like that for Crypticon as well. And uh, Keep an eye on CryptoConSeattle.com. There's going to be updates. The con, the con itself is canceled, but uh, there's been working on for some film festival yep. stuff. But uh, Eric would know better about that, but uh, you can find that online. <laughs> uh, but this week, we are not talking about anything horror. Uh, we are looking at... You sure? <laughs> it's, hor- it's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Of 20, uh, essentially, the main, the main thing we're looking here is 2017's Daddy Day Camp but it is actually part of a trilogy. Uh, Daddy Day Care from 2013 and Granddaddy Day Care, which came out last year, um, which I didn't know about until Mike told me about it the other day. And uh, I'm sorry to say I haven't watched it. I don't know if you sat, if any of y'all sat through it or not, but uh, no. <laughs> I just realized that it there's a trilogy instead of a duology, and I'm just sad. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> good. I'm, just cry- I'm crying on the inside. It's on. It's on Netflix. So I was suggesting a Netflix watch party so we could all like eat it together. <laughs> oh, we should do that sometime. Yes, that's perfect. Record oh, commentary man. in some way. <laughs> well, I mean, you you could technically record it and then just you'd have to cut it down. Yeah, you would, but better than dealing with people who don't wear masks. <laughs> <laughs> no masks that's on fair. an entire movie. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then again, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is the first time I watched any either of these because uh, they're not really my stock and trade. I don't really go for family, you know, low grade family features or something I don't 
approach in general way because I usually find them really grating and the same humor and the same jokes and everything. And that's kind of what I got out of it. Have, have you all seen these before watching them for the podcast? Um, I saw it when it first came out on DVD and it was the time when Eddie Murphy was big after Mulan and Shrek. And that was the catalyst that just stat- betrayed me because once you get to know him in the animated movies and go to the family films when he just had kids, <laughs> it was just the pits from there. Well, you know, I, I'd say Daddy Daycare was not terrible. I mean, you know, there wasn't really any surprises there. It was very formulaic. But, you know, it wasn't... There was definitely some good story there. And, you know, Eddie Murphy clearly had a phase where he wanted to make movies that his kids could see him in. And I can definitely respect that. He's back, but, though, true. He, He's but back. That's, I, but I that's loved not his the, uh, last film. The, yeah, uh, but, exploitation... Yeah, one My name is Dolomite. Dolomite, yeah, that's a fantastic Dolomite. movie. <laughs> yeah, I need, I need to see that. But this just came in the same era. Like, well, uh, Daddy came because you know, Eddie Murphy's in Daddy Day Care, and Cuba Jr. plays the same character in Daddy Day Camp. Uh, oh. so, so, who we're talking about might be ah. what movie it is. Uh, which, but for at this point, Eddie Murphy's career, he was using an I Spy and <laughs> this, and like, there's a bunch of uh, Pluto Nash, it's right after Pluto Nash. A lot of things that didn't really land. Uh, I think this one's. A, I think the camp was a care was a pretty decent hit. Dedicate camp was not, um, but it was just. I don't know, it was in that era of things. I, I like like Mike. I thought it was all right. I didn't find it to be awful. Just kind of really middle of the road, standard family comedy. Uh, I had the jokes I expected and the same things I expected, but <laughs> there was some decency and some some heart and. Uh, it's interesting to see Elle Fanning uh, when she was like four. Uh, yeah, that was weird. I was like, huh. Because <laughs> uh, the first thing I remember seeing her in was um, uh, Super 8, and that was a couple years after this. Oh, yeah. um, but what's weird than watching Daddy Day, Daddy Day Camp is they're essentially the same movie, like plot point to plot point. Uh, yeah, you get the two guys starting something they shouldn't be starting. Uh, trying to deal with the amount of kids to the paperwork that goes with it against a snobby, bigger place, whether it be the other camp or Angelica Houston school. And they have to come over that and have the little, there really is a competition, but there's a, a big event at the end that kind of brings everything together um, and they yeah. get over the shit. So it's yeah. essentially the same movie, two different times, once with humor ish, once <laughs> without completely. Yeah. And completely. I, I think, I think that brought up one of my chief complaints about this is like, First of all, they rehashed, basically rehashed the previous movie. And second of all, they did several retcons in order to, I guess, make this movie work, which were unnecessary what? and actually made the movie poorer for them happening. And what do you mean, like the, the way that the guys are essentially rebooted the, how they were at the beginning of the first film? Or... Yeah. Yeah, like the, again, you know, not knowing how to handle children which was a pointless regression to make because they could have just, they could have just leaned into the, okay, so they don't really understand how to handle the will, you know, handle the wilderness scenario very well. Teenagers or. Yeah. And they just, they could have leaned into that. I mean, it makes sense to go from a daycare to a day camp on paper because you're going a bit bigger, but. 
it for some reason it just wanted to just go back on everything in this instead of just trying to progress the characters. Yeah, I mean, what, one of my my first comment was when you can't get your leads to agree to a role and have to recast everyone, you know that there's going to be a problem. And Jeff Garland's too busy. Yeah. 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 And Eddie so Murphy had nothing to do at this point anyway, you know, might as well. Uh, and Jamie Kennedy was too busy with Son of the Mask, so. I think it was um, Steve Zahn, the first film. <laughs> yeah, the guy, who, the guy who plays uh, the captain from Wally or Norman's dad from Paranorman. <laughs> That's well, you know, and, and like the supporting character's child changed from like a, you know, dark, uh, curly-haired kid to a uh, straight-haired redhead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we went through Lord of the Rings. <laughs> they just, just like, use the magic on the kid. <laughs> yeah, there's just some weird, weird changes. So it's not just the kid, it's the lead actors. You just use magic and poof, nothing to do with the original anymore except the name. And, you know, they just, they completely ignored the last part of the plot development of the first movie where they actually had, they were successful enough that they built the daycare facility and they had the kids going there. And, you know, at the beginning I was like, okay, what's going on here? And I almost excused them by being like, okay, well, they were just having like, some kind of party get together and they were having it at the house instead of at their facility for some reason. But no, they actually specifically went in and talked about how they'd improved the house so they could have more chill. They could have more children there. I'm like, okay, well that's, that's, that's a dumb and pointless retcon to make. And And you're about to Oh, I was just saying how much I, I just so missed so much by not having seen Daddy daycare, I lost a lot. Yeah, just watch camp, yeah. Which is funny because I'm kind of the exact opposite. I watched Daddy daycare, but I didn't know we were doing Daddy Day Camp. I watched a little Daddy Day Camp, but not enough. If I had known we were doing Daddy Day Camp, I would have watched both of them. But I mostly got daycare. Yeah, so like so, uh, yeah, Daddy Day. So uh, just to go back for some little information, like yeah, Daddy Day Care was slightly the first movie. You know, it had uh, 38 of Metacritic, so it's like it's like. Only enough, like the 70th worst movie of, of its particular year, so it would probably have never come up in the podcast there besides going one. 2007. Uh, with this, actually, has a 13 on Metacritic, so it's pr- much, much lower rated. Uh, and Daddy said that in Daddy Day Camp was uh, directed by Fred Savage from The Wonder Years in his first theatrical feature. He's done a lot of television directing, uh, so before and after this, so he's Wait. had a pretty solid career doing this. Um, but the TV nature. Of Wait. His directing really, I think shows through. Shows through. Wait, Fred Savage directed yeah. the take yes. Yeah. What? Yeah, he's directed yes. like hundred something television shows or episodes. Um, yes, and a TV's Fred Savage is the director. Um. Wow. Like <laughs> that. Okay. Um. This is new. I mean, come on, he's done quality programming like twenty-one, 21 episodes of Two Broke Girls. If it works, right. I don't know what that. Hey man, if you can get TV directing, that is a good paying gig. Yeah, and that's yeah. what he moved to. So he's he's, he's busy with that, and uh, just, and and I think it shows through with with the movie of it being. It was originally meant to be directed directed DVD, um, yeah. and ultimately was theatrically released. Um, I think it really shows through with a lot of the way it was filmed, the way it was shot. It was like really workman, boom, 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 episodic. Yeah, uh, almost like oh, commercial break. <laughs> commercial break. <laughs> Well, you know, this this being a direct to be 
direct to TV cash grab originally kind of makes a lot of sense with, you know, the casting decisions that they made. Yeah. Cooper oh, yeah. Jr. has nothing better to do. Like, I don't know. He's, I, I've never found him to be a good actor, even in Jerry Maguire, which I think he won the Oscar for. Yeah. I've never, I've, he's always felt really forced and like out of his element and everything. And he's, I would, not a lot of- I would think Jerry Maguire was probably close to him playing something like himself. Really, really with, you get a good actor who can play themselves. You give them a good script. You can get a lot out of it, but uh, I think which should explain why, man, he really did nothing after yeah, winning an Oscar, Oscar. and, and oh, Snow Dogs I mean, and Pearl Harbor and this. <laughs> there, there are, we was, talk, are we talking G- Cuba Gooding Jr. or Fred Savage? Cuba Jr. I don't know. You kind of get them mixed up, but yeah. And then let's not forget the Disney classic home on the range as well thanks cuba <laughs> oh yeah i am you know what's a little scary about this it made if the imdb is correct you know that is three times its budget yeah it Which was uh 18 million, million dollars 18 total <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah it opened at three million and <laughs> tenth place but still kind of chugged its way through <laughs> there's several moments in here where i'm like hey, cuba goody jr you are not eddie murphy True. No, i mean not you are Kinda considering the parallel career paths they went down. <laughs> wait, wait, come on now. You go back to the eighties. Eddie Murphy ruled the box office yes. for he about did. six he was years. Awesome. <laughs> Beverly, yeah, I love Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. That's one of 40, my uh, forty-eight hours. Beverly Hills Cop uh, coming to America. And watching these both pretty, I didn't watch them back to back. I watched uh, that. It, I watched uh, Care like a week or so ago. I watched. You Cam didn't want to just double feature it for yourself. And get <laughs> no, that I couldn't get myself. That. That's why I didn't, I didn't watch Mandate. I wasn't going to watch that right after watching Camp. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean the the thing the, the point with Eddie Murphy though is being in tepid family movies was a conscious career choice of his, whereas yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr. it was that was who called. <laughs> gotta do it I guess you know the Oscar isn't gonna shine itself cast the line you caught Cooper Gooding Jr. on your on your hook but the thing is like with even in something as drab in middle of the road as as uh, Daddy Day Care he still there's still something to his performance he has something more to it and he has something to react to. he's the reactor like Cooper Gooding Jr. spends most of this movie just like reacting to everything else around him sure. and more of like a what? What? Oh no! My dad's mad at me. My son's not like. There's there isn't any real performance to it. He's more of a there with everything else around him. Eddie Murphy led that movie and still brought everything to it that he could, even if you know it wasn't a great movie, but it was an okay one. You know. You know. I mean, that, that's. As, I mean, as something that's on Roger Ebert's worst movies ever, Daddy Daycare was bad, but it wasn't as bad as I remember. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the things that really irritated me about this movie is that they it's clearly that there is friction between the main character and his father, but they do absolutely nothing to establish why. One what? story from the past nineteen seventy seven. Yeah, there's there's like absolutely no there's absolutely no development as to why there's friction between the two of them. And you know, the the colonel, like, by all accounts, from what they show in the movie, he is a perfectly pleasant, you know, about as non-toxic as you can get for being, you know, you know basically a military lifer as you could get. Yeah. 
So they 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 do nothing to like establish what's wrong with him as a character or why they had any friction. Just there is. Yeah, they set up to be like an authoritarian figure, and he shows up, and he's just you know a granddad. Uh, yeah, he's he's like perfectly pleasant. He knows how to deal with children. He's very like supportive and uplifting, and you know he was. I'd say he's probably one of the best things about the movie. He's like very well considered. He's very well acted. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Grant uh, did a Gant did a good did a fine job. Actually, when, when he was a credit show, I thought Richard Grant's in this. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. It's like imagine Richard Grant in something like this. Like, I mean, he's like you know, Hudson Hawk, but Hawk. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Just to be like Lachlan, I, when that, you know, him showing us they made Lachlan Monroe's dad would be interesting, you know. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's funny about Lachlan Monroe there is like when they mentioned like he and Cuba Jr. Jr. had this this thing in 1977, I'm like, neither of them can be that old. They are. Um, I thought Monroe was like maybe like 10 years younger than he was. He was born in 1966. So he's an older guy inspected and, uh, 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 Gooding Jr. Some night is born 1967, so they were of age. Uh, but it was still kind of wow. like, and I guess he just looks looks younger than he is. Welcome to know that is uh, Gooding Jr. I can see being that age at the point because he's always had those deep lines to his face. Um, <laughs> yeah, if I spent most of my time with this, like, wanting Jason to come and kill them all, or Ernest or Angela or somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you'd have Ernest to be day camp. you'd have to be pretty stupid to get killed by Ernest. <laughs> uh, Ernest goes to camp was one of my favorite movies growing up, and I'm kind of afraid to like watch it again, expecting to be like, oh, yeah, don't. Watch. Ernest Saves Christmas a few years ago, and I was like, oh, this is bad. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> but that, this feels like the reason we're attracted to it. <laughs> <laughs> this feels like a movie, though. If you saw it when you were six, you'd probably love it. Mm-hmm. Because you wouldn't have the catalog reference of everything that's gone before that it's camping that it's vamping off of, you would be just watching adults make asses of themselves and they wouldn't have the other camp movies to compare on. it to. Even even things like I don't know meatballs. I guess I actually haven't seen meatballs, but uh, any snob there's a slob story, even if it's kids or adults or what have you. So it's all the same same formatic beats without any of the humor that comes with it. Right. Yeah. It feels like a draft that was ready, and they were like, oh, we'll go back later and insert some of the jokes. We, we put some <laughs> piss and fart jokes in there, but we'll go back and put the actual jokes in, and they never did. Um, it's like, oh, right, we got the camp for two days. Let's go film this right now. That's right. What, two days later? <laughs> I, like how, I like how at the very beginning, these guys enter into a contract to basically take over the camp operations without having any discussion with the caretaker about their expectation that he's going to stay there. <laughs> so this dude, for a minute. this dude goes on vacation completely and basically he's and clearly is going to go camping when he lives at a goddamn campsite <laughs> and he's gonna go fish about the whole business decision they're like they had to have something i know it's a movie so you gotta push through things like that really quickly but of any well, sort I mean, of the first wheel I mean, the first movie went to lengths to establish like the rule, the legal rules they had to go through in order to set up their even if shortened for movie movie form, you know. Yeah. So what? So it's they couldn't do it. They didn't do it for this one. Like how to start a camp the day before camp opens. The same way of like asking someone to prom on prom days, like in movies that 
drives me nuts. And same thing here. It's like, oh, I guess camp opens today. <laughs> suppliers and maybe get some kids to come out. Yeah, since I wasn't five when I watched this, my first thought was, isn't this like the storyline where a bunch of women in bikinis or men in banana hammocks are cleaning cars to save their failing <laughs> business or something? Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's called hoot. <laughs> you, you don't want to see uh, the, the replacement of Steve Garland in a in a, in a man mankini, or we uh, <laughs> not Napoleon Dynamite. Cause I'm, I'm pretty damn sure. Well, the, not uh, this cast because if oh, you put God. this cast washing cars, you get in a lot of trouble. It's <laughs> <laughs> their kids, like sub, like Jerry from Subway Trouble. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <A little bit. laughs> Damn. <laughs> At least that's got to be one expensive lawsuit. <laughs> no. They made $18 million. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they can afford it. <laughs> Just ask Cuba Gooding Jr. and then you can take care of everything. <laughs> Executive producer, Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Sorry, too far. <laughs> back out, back out. <laughs> yes. Hey, it could have could have been Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> yeah, that, well, when it comes to camp movies with him, that's the burning. Um, nineteen eighty four. Yes. Yeah, where Good he wrote point. that, and, and when things yeah. first produced. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's why he's a skeevy hero. Um, yeah. Maybe Cropsy can come and kill some of these characters too. Um, <laughs> just, just somebody like even Goofy with a with a cooking knife when he trips on a rolling pin. <laughs> <laughs> Unrelated to that at all. Uh, so, Mike, I wanted to ask you. Uh, so, of course, we did Rocky Horror, The Admiral, for many years, and they had a poster from one of the two movies in the theater that we performed in. Do you remember if it was this one or the first one? It was a um, poster. I was covering up some water damage. Because... I'd, I'd assume it would have been uh, Daddy Daycare. Yeah. I just remember the cover, but they're both the same cover. But uh, the, uh, I just remember seeing it continually. Bad Day something. Every time we walked in the theater or sat in the back. or the, uh, But yeah, that, that was the main thing I remember. This movie was, was the poster at, at the Admiral for, forever. <laughs> oh, God. They were hoping it would, the water damage would bleed in yeah <laughs> i i don't know if these if this movie could have telegraphed any harder that they were gonna blow up the toilet yeah, <laughs> Just, yeah. either that I mean, or they, 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 they could have they could have put down a counter that said toilet blows up and and just count down but you got to make the reference a bunch of times. You know, like the rule of three, right? You got to set that up and then do it again and then blow up the toilet. And, and you know, the only surprise was they did it like in the, in the first act. Yeah. Instead of, you know, having, you know, instead of it having, you know, being leader in the movie to give you at least something of an opportunity to forget about the fact that that toilet was definitely going to get blown up at some point. Because it seemed like something would be a setup for like when the when the attorney comes back and he's looking at everything and making sure everything's up to code and then kaboom, boom. That's where it would yeah. want to be, I guess. Yeah, there's um, so there's so many more interesting ways they could have blown up the bathroom instead of you know just discount Jeff Garland. Well, I mean, it sounds like they spared you of one of its millions of sins <laughs> of going through that cliche. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's a way to do the cliche funny, and they just it wasn't even you know it wasn't even a good payoff. 
Yeah, there's a couple of different setups along the way, as, as Eric said, episodic of like, all right, this is going to be like, almost if you break it up for commercials, like, because the, the whole thing with the, the Olympiad with, with the other camp is just <laughs> ignored for a good chunk of the plot. And then it comes yeah. in at the end, uh, just to be there, I guess. It seemed like a really like internal Olympiad for them that, that this other camp was kind of like, well, I mean, the Driftwood kind of pushed its way in for. Good Lord, <laughs> man. They outnumbered them, what, like three to one? Yeah, like there's the like maybe a hundred to one because I think they had a pretty good setup. Like that guy might have been this for the money and doing this, but they had go karts, they had, they had, uh, yeah, they and had the speedboating, they had everything they needed. It's like hummer go karts. You know, and the thing was there were there was absolutely no stakes behind that Olympiad. Yeah, it wasn't like we we're gonna. T- well, there was the take over your camp thing if you lose or something, but no, there wasn't. A, there maybe. wasn't even that there. The whole thing about the. The entire point with the, the possibility of the camp closing down was the uh, the foreclosure subplot. Yeah, which was kind of half done too. You know, was <laughs> was entirely which is where yeah was, was entirely disconnected from this whole Olympiad thing. The whole Olympiad thing was just you know schoolyard bragging rights stuff. There were no stakes for it. They sort of <laughs> sort of implied that if they didn't win then they'd lose all of their campers to the other camp. But yeah, they did. it's not like the two guys made a bet and shook hands or something. It was just... Yeah, well, I mean... There. <laughs> but I mean, even by the point where that started going down, the you know seven campers they had left were <laughs> totally dedicated to their camp. Like, they were... They were they, the, yeah. yeah, they didn't enjoy, you know, getting shot with paintballs and all that kind of stuff. They were... They were all in for that camp, so there was no, there were no, the, you know, there was no real reason for it other than you know, They're your regular so like adult dick waving. <laughs> and like, and that's another thing that they ended up to like to later on, where I expected when they started this up of them, you know, going to the first camp and being like maybe making ass of themselves and getting him kicked out, then having to go to Driftwood and find out why, you know, they're finding out a bunch of shit to have that bit at the beginning to set up this more reliably and more falls into it. it's like oh it happens to be the guy I had arrived with 35 years ago instead of something that beats along in the, in this show um i know we're, we're putting a lot more like oh i'd fix the plot in this way <laughs> than they yeah i mean there was a great opportunity for plot development there where they touch on you know they briefly touch on the fact that cuba gooding jr was you know did this thing in 1977 and was like apparently really good and you know choked or had a mistake and ended up losing at the last minute and they reference you know the douchebag you know camps leader with oh so it looks like you peaked at 11 and you know there's just there's a direction that they could have gone with that to actually develop that that was a surprisingly good like a like a flashback or something like that but well, that's just, in the beginning of the film there they show something along the flashback of him dropping the baton or something like that but because he killed never re, it's never done enough by any means <laughs> yeah they, they they just they they show like glimpses of what be would be a much better movie by like hey let's let's develop this a little bit let's let's develop why there's a conflict between yeah. his father and him let's develop where this weird conflict between, you know, Cubie Gooding Jr.'s character and the douchebag camp counselor. 
the guy like, playing the same role that he always plays. <laughs> yeah. One of the Whether most punchable faces in Hollywood. Or scary movie or what have you. <laughs> yep. The uh, was um, shoot, what is it? Yeah, I guess something that keeps coming up a lot on these episodes is is, is dealing with like, oh, we could this where it missed these sticker story beats. It could have made a stronger film, even something so middle of the road as this, which was never going to be a good movie, never meant to be anything more yeah. than a diversion. Uh, yeah. But I think, you know, Eric and I were talking about it with uh, Tony and Jason on a uh, septic man. It's like, Oh, here's these setups that could have been a, a stronger film. If you just yeah. go through one more time. Uh, and that's come up a couple of times along the way for like mortal Kombat, where it's like, Oh, there's almost this or uh, Veronica in the first episode where it's almost something. Uh, and it's, just one level out from from working you know yeah i mean there's always the improvement that you can just scrap everything and then start again from the beginning and that instead of fixing everything that takes money (laughs) (laughs) i mean they already spent 16 million surely there's got to be 16 million more right let's get six million uh but i'm and so this is the same right. Like these are it's the same writer as the first movie. Which is it's like it's strange for going back. Same script. Mm-hmm. Oh, Change some names. Fred Savage. Sorry, you first. And as he also wrote like uh, RV and the Shaggy Dog, so other family, you know, middle of the road family family pictures. Um, well, well it was like mid two thousands. It was the year of cheaper by the dozen. Um, with Steve Martin, RV with Robin Williams. Same writer for that. Uh, yeah. That, if it's the same writer, then that explains a lot of what happened in the mid-2000s, those shitty family-friendly <laughs> movies where the workaholic parent has to bond with his, um, with his children, which is one of the stupidest plots ever in not just family films, but in films in general. Get the overworked <laughs> '90s dad uh, coming through. It, I, yeah. I find it more to be a '90s thing, but it does work in 2000s. Like, but the other co-writer of the, the movie wrote um, the first movie as well, uh, along with "Are We There Yet?" from 2005 and the Smurfs movies. So yeah, this is kind of their their bread there and butter is, is is that. Um, so Ice Cube, a bunch of other stuff, like a bunch of Rugrats and everything. Uh, but so, so Ice Cube, Cuba Gooding Jr., Robin Williams, Steve Martin. Who, did we forget any other big name celebrities <laughs> that were starring in these family films at the time? There's Eddie Murphy. That's five. Well, if you go back to the '90s, you get you get Tim Allen had that that run of them. Oh, jeez. Um, jungle to Jungle. <laughs> Here um, you go. Oh, <laughs> six. That's six. There's, there's a lot more. At some point to you know the raunchy comedians to kind of or or musicians to kind of turn and do family stuff because when they start having as, as mentioned earlier having kids of their own they want stuff that their kids can see them in stuff that they're enmeshed in yeah. um i mean when they're older when their kids are older they can watch the more edgier stuff that their parents did when they <laughs> weren't even born well, eddie murphy's got some explaining to do to his kids for modern thinking <laughs> What did you say, Dad? <laughs> what did you want Norton to do to you? you? Never say again. <laughs> Will, Smith, Will Smith did some of that stuff too, didn't he? Yeah, he probably. That's seven, yeah. yeah, which with his son and After Earth, but yeah. I think that's more his fault than Shyamalan's fault. What was that one he did? That he did an all right one with his kid, where he was like a what, kind of based on a true story. Yeah, yeah. the pursuit of happiness, which is really. Like the basic, like one sentence description of that same story. Oh, yeah. But it's okay, movie. Yeah, it's fine. You get a pass. Uh, ironically, <laughs> Eddie Murphy 
in Norbit beat out could Cuba Gooding Jr. for the Razzie Award for Worst Actor. <laughs> <laughs> and that's sad that. because it... the same year he was in Dreamgirls as well where he got Oscar nomination. <laughs> was that a win? I, I don't know, but what a time to get both an Oscar and Razzie nomination. Uh, that, that's kind of actually impressive. Yeah. You know, if I was, if I was, um, for all about Steve and uh, the Blind Side, and uh, a couple other people have done that in the same year, getting either end of their their stuff. (laughs) If I was him, I would have actually gotten the Razzie and just put like. He might have shown them. up. That sounds familiar. I think he might have shown up to accept it. Yeah, I know that Sandra Bullock did for All About Steve. And yeah. she gave everyone a copy of the DVD for it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of comedians, like stand-up comedians and stuff, have showed up to accept their Razzies. So, you got to do what you got to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And Lean in. If you, if you can't get an EGOT, you can always get a... You can always <laughs> get an ARGOT. ARGOT. Yeah, a Razzie instead of the Oscar. A row, a row, an Oscar and a Razzie nomination. So that's a row. There you go. (laughs) Sort of like hitting for the cycle if you can do it all in one year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that'll be the day when one does that. On the positive side, uh, Fossey almost did it in in one. You you get three of the four in one year, but that's besides the point. So we completely lost the track of uh, of of Daddy Day Camp or Daddy. Much like the movie. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. there isn't a lot to go and like i was uh, allison well, came in when i was watching she's like you look bored i'm like yep i'm bored and i have like four notes there's like nothing wrong going on yeah it's, i had the same thing with my was, notes it's like hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's just, my, my main note is will jason kill them you know <laughs> yeah i mean it's just it's if just he, if he doesn't it, kill them at least it can get 59 cent refund from amazon because that's how much it costs to rent it now on amazon when it's not prime related it's 59 cents <laughs> yeah, I mean that's uh, that's the thing is this movie is just it's boring it's formulaic there are absolutely no surprises you know you know from the beginning exactly where this movie has been is going to go because it's been done this plot exactly the same way by many better movies including the previous movie in its own <laughs> by the same writer. I'll say, I don't know where Granddaddy Day here falls in of of, of if it's better I'm, or worse, but I'm, I'm not going to find out. <laughs> I'm going to get drunk one night and then Good I'm just going to watch it for the hell of it, just to like, just to make up for not watching Daddy Day Camp for this. But you know, yeah. the, the the cellulite graveyard is full of bumbling losers running a summer camp. <laughs> <laughs> like there, there's there's like that's it's like a genre of movie oh yeah, yeah. Cell, celluloid graveyard like, <laughs> and it's uh, like i'm kind of i remember watching camp nowhere in 1993 and liking it but i was like 12 and same thing like heavyweights uh yeah that was also a different different camp movie uh, heavyweights was i don't know it's a it's by judd apatow but... so maybe it maybe holds up better like but i'm like camp nowhere i love and i was like it kind of does so I, I can't imagine what it's like watching it you know at nearly 40 but uh any any final thoughts on, on daddy day blanks uh before we call it a call it a week daddy <laughs> Dick, let us go you, you first eric final thoughts let's see i'll go with one of the notes i wrote i think it'll cover the whole thing why the hell is he wearing a snorkel <laughs> it didn't lead anywhere. It ain't gonna help you not breathe the methane. <laughs> Easy joke. 
<laughs> it doesn't deserve better. <laughs> um, I don't know why this was turned into a trilogy. The first one is passable. There's, um, it's not the worst movie ever, but it's bad. Second yeah. movie, I again, I'll get drunk one day, watch it just for the just to fuck around <laughs> with life, and then I'll watch the third one within the same circumstances. But from Daddy Daycare stance, if you want a good Eddie Murphy movie, just watch his other movies like Pre Family, like da- uh, Beverly Hills Cop, or. Yeah. Coming to America, or yeah. my favorite's Nutty Professor because that's one of the best remakes ever made. Other than that, I haven't seen the sequel. <laughs> other than that, just save your money and throw throw the whole trilogy in a barf bag. Yeah, trading Trading Places is another excellent Eddie Murphy movie. Yes, yeah. And they actually, uh, they, you know, they, they soon, so. yeah. Well, I mean, they reference Trading Places and Coming to America, yeah. and it's fantastic. Yeah, just a, a there's just a little little scene in there, and it's great. Yeah, or a lot of it's Saturday Night Live stuff. Yeah, or stand up if you want to get maybe probably offended with modern sensibilities. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> there are, there are and, plenty of great other places to find Eddie Murphy stuff. There are not really much to find anything good from Cooper Dooney Jr. Um, maybe there is. I don't know. Uh, nothing I've seen. So I'm gonna. <laughs> How about maybe, Battlefield Earth? He's in Battlefield Earth. Could we get yes. What? Oh wow. No, he's he's a Scientologist. He is in Battlefield Earth. Yeah, so he's that. so he's now, playing. When you get around to rewatching that, I'll have to look for him. Uh, yeah, he's that. he's he's that he's that Weasley alien that's uh, always trying to backstab. Uh, what's his faces? The John, main character. John. Yeah. I know there's oh. four Twitterkers in that too, but uh. I mean, oh, maybe, maybe it is. Are, are you being Whitaker. racist and saying all black actors look the same, Mike? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm no, saying, for, I'm saying, I'm saying Forrest I'm saying. Whitaker and Cuba Gooding Jr. look the same. Well, in massive, the max amounts of makeup. Yeah, in to be that fair, film as well. To be fair, he makes a better Scientologist than Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's that's Daddy Daycare. Daddy can't do the camp. None of us watched the third one, so we have nothing to say about that. Um, yeah, so we haven't next... watched it yet. Not <laughs> yet. yet. Yes. Uh, <laughs> even my love of bad movies might not go that far. That has Barry Boswick and Danny Trejo in it, so that's something. Uh, but they'll work for any, they'll work for peanuts. Um, but uh, so next time's movie is going to be a new one for me. Uh, 1995, I think, is the year for Biodome, starring Polly Shore. Oh shit! Oh god! With a one on Metacritic. Oh, I'm actually looking forward to watching this one. <laughs> oh oh no. god, I've seen that one. Oh, no. I, I missed it when it came out, and I was never got around yeah. to it. And now it's now it's you time know, for free. And like, you know, I, I may have to throw my hat in for that one because I have never seen it either. <laughs> I'm, in. Right. I'm in. I'm in. Because I've only seen Pauly Shore in a goofy movie, but I've heard how bad he could be. So it'd be like, how bad could it possibly be? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be willing. I'd be willing to watch it again because you've got uh, shit. What's his name? The uh... I don't know. I haven't seen it. Kind of Stephen Baldwin's the other guy, but that's yeah. no from 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 Ghostbusters. The uh, environmental. Oh, oh William. Oh, yeah, yeah William, William Atherton is like the the guy, <laughs> the, the, the very serious scientist in the biodome. Nice. They got Walter Peck. I'll, I'll also ca- toss out a, a little defense for Cuba Gooding Jr. because he was awesome in Boys in the Hood. Oh, he yeah. was good yeah. in A Few Good Men, and he's actually pretty good in Selma. 
Oh, I'll take so he's, I'll, he's had a few. He, he needs a really like strong director is what he needs. Yeah. <laughs> he needs a director to... That, that doesn't have him act with, uh, with, with dogs. And that's right. <laughs> Acknowledged. <Yeah. laughs> but that's our show for this week. I want to you know, say who they are and we can find your stuff if you're out there. Uh, and then we'll, we'll call it a day. Uh, Eric? Hello. Eric Morgan. Strange Eons Radio. You can find us at strangeeonsradio.com or Twitter or Instagram or probably Facebook if you like weird-ass movies. And you're on YouTube, too. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was actually listening to you guys before I started recording. So, uh. Cool. Uh, yes. This is Cinematic Bandicoot from cinematicbandicoot.com. I'll get as many reviews out as I can. We do movies, television, video games, although without the theater, we are now switching to television and video games. We'll get movies out soon. We'll reviews out soon. And take it away, Mike. E. Um, I do pretty much absolutely nothing online, although uh, if you look around enough, you'd probably find Shadowcast footage of me on like YouTube or something. That's out there. Yeah. Cool. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely out there. And uh, I'm Bob from, from uh, City of Geek and Worst This, Worst Movie of the Year, which you can find at, on Twitter at Worst underscore Movie or on Facebook slash Worst The Worst Movie of the Year. The Worst. I keep Because I keep forgetting to leave that in there. The Worst Movie of the Year and at City of Geek. City of Geek.com has everything that we do, uh, whether it's this or the other podcast. Uh, <laughs> so in the word, every other week, uh, going along the weeks that this doesn't go up our next episode it's about found footage uh films uh we've been doing quarantine recommendations based upon what strange eons is actually doing as well and uh, now we're getting back into the regular form nice check us out with that uh thank you guys for listening like comment subscribe, share uh thank you guys for being on the podcast this week and maybe again for for biodome it seems like everybody have always items. up for it uh Took a while to get everyone together for this one. Maybe it'll be easier. <laughs> it's a more interesting movie uh, than than, yeah. a, than a bad family movie. Oh um, uh, yeah. And if anything, anyone out there wants us to cover, if I get enough requests or something, I might actually do it outside of the regular uh, Metacritic schedule. Um, nice. I did mention earlier. Uh, uh, if you're listening the first time, what I do is I pick a random uh, year and then I go to Metacritic and I find the worst movie of that year that's available to stream, whether it be <laughs> for free or for pay, but it's out there. Um, so next time we'll be at Biodome and we'll see you everyone in two weeks. Bye-bye.